Oh, my word, you guys are alive today, and this is so exciting to listen to the worship of God's people, and I know the Lord is happy, the Lord is pleased because he inhabits the praise of his people. Go ahead and have a seat and grab your Bible. I know that your heart is ready to hear from the Lord through his word, and I've got a special treat for you because Kyle Martin is in the house today, and Kyle's going to be speaking for us today. And um, we also have, um, do we have this, the Singles for Jesus group here today yet? What? That's not true, because I already met one of them. <laughs> he just doesn't want to admit that he is a single for Jesus. <laughs> I think there's a group. There is a, a group of young people, and I'm just goofing around with that name. There's a group of young people um, that are meeting on a regular basis, um, studying the word of God, and in a revived school for, for young adults. And um, Kyle had a great time with them last night, and I think they're going to be here in the second service and blessing our uh, presence here with that, with their presence, blessing our time. Um, Kyle's not a stranger to our church, and I'm happy for that. I'm glad for that. And, um, but those of you who may not know him, in 2015, um, God brought Kyle into our life, my life personally, and our lives as a church um, as an evangelist, a young evangelist out of Dallas, Texas, with time to revive, and um, brought a very special thing to this area with Revive Indiana. So glad that we as a church were able to be part of that, and God has fundamentally changed us in our approach to the gospel and the presentation of the gospel through his ministry. And um, so I think that Kyle is the greatest evangelist of our time. Um, because of this, not because he's something special. He, he is something special. His mom and dad think he's very special. But, um, <clears throat> and Laura thinks you're very special. And he, you are a special person, but it's not because of you. It's not because of your greatness and because of your ability. It's because of the humble um, submission that you have of giving all that you have to the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, to work through you, but the thing that really knit my heart to Kyle when I first met him is that it was very clear. Um, Kyle's not just about winning one person to Jesus Christ. You know, there is this philosophy out there, well, if one person comes to Christ, isn't it worth it? Yes, it is. Is it worth it? Yes, it is, but he's not satisfied with that. God has planted in his heart a heart for not just the United States of America, not just Indiana or Texas where he's from, but for the nations, and he's got a heart for that, and it's actually happening. You're going to hear a report of that. So let's welcome, help me welcome, a warm welcome to our platform, Kyle Warren. It's good to know that my parents think I'm special. <laughs> Remind my brother of that the second service, will you please? Um, you know, it's a joy, it's an honor, uh, it's a privilege to be here uh, this morning. Um, for lots of different reasons, but I, I don't, I'm just going to cut right to it. Jesus is coming back. Amen. And we got to get ready. And I became more and more convinced of that this year. I was at Walmart when, uh, on January, I don't know why we don't always do this, but my wife ordered groceries online. And now I know here in this area, it's better to do that or you'll stand in line here forever. 23 minutes yesterday at a Walmart, I was there. You guys don't grocery shop? Come on. I, I have to say Martin's or something or Target or whatever. So anyway, I was, at a, I was at a Walmart in Dallas, and I was sitting in the parking lot, and there was 20-some cars in the parking lot. 
And uh, everybody was out of their car. This is on New Year's Day. They're all out of their car. And they're all complaining. Their trunks are open. And they're waiting for their food to be brought to them. And they have one Walmart employee with 20 plus cars. Yeah, and I was one of those guys. And I'm thinking, should I get out? What should I do, God? God says, what are you talking about what you should do? Go start talking to them. So on January 1, I started knocking on the windows of people. Excuse me, are you with Walmart? <laughs> no, I'm with the Lord. And that just got weird. <laughs> I was accused of, are you the guy that drunk too much last night? I mean, all of this. And I said, can I start praying with you? And then I just started picking people off. Probably 30 plus minutes, I started going from car to car. And all of the walls just started falling. And I, I went to a different place. Instead of looking at the things of like, what in the world, why am I not getting my food, to lives receiving Jesus in the parking lot. And at that point, I began to say, am I ready right now at any given moment for him to come back? Or am I the guy complaining in the parking lot? This isn't working. And so every day, God kept saying, Kyle, are you ready? And here's the other part, are you willing? So I want to have you address this today. Are you ready and are you willing? Can you just say ready? ready. Can you say willing? willing? I'm going to walk you through practically on how I believe you can get to that point today. It's so practical, and yet for some reason, when we look at the good book, we make this complicated. It's not. If you spend time with Jesus, it's awesome. I want you to go to a text today in Luke 22. Luke 22, verses 7 through 13. Everybody, if you would, you'll have it on the screen as well, but Luke 22, 7 through 13. And I asked the Lord very specifically for a message for this congregation, and this is where he kept taking me over and over. You see... What happens in this context is that Jesus began to show us what does it mean to walk out God's call and purpose in his life, no matter what lied ahead. I'm going to give you a couple examples. In Matthew 26, and if you guys like to take notes, I'd love you to start writing this down. Matthew 26, 12 through 13, do you remember this? The scripture says this, by pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she has prepared for me a burial. So Jesus was getting ready for what? For the burial. So Jesus was positioning himself. He allowed the anointing to come on his life. So he was positioning. He was ready. But then also, here's what's interesting. In Luke 9, 51, write this down. When the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he was determined. He determined to journey what? The scripture just says to Jerusalem. So not only do you have to be ready, say, God, I'm ready. But here's the key for the church. You have to be willing to do it. I think there's a lot of people that said, oh, God, I'm ready. But when are you actually willing to do, do something with it? The church today, I think a lot of people are ready, but they're not willing to walk it out. Come on. There's a big difference. But when you start getting both of them ready and willing, you start having a posture. My Jesus is coming back. I don't know if we realize how close we are. In Luke 22, verses 1 through 6, we'll begin our story. I want to read through these six verses. Bear with me as I do. The festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover. They was drawing near, and the chief priests and the scribes, they were looking for a way to put him to death. 
because they were afraid of the people. Then Satan, he entered Judas. It's one of the disciples called Iscariot, who was numbered among the 12. He went away and discussed with the chief priest and temple police how he could hand him over to them. And they were glad and he agreed to give him silver. So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. You see, what happens during Passover, what happens during the festival of the unleavened bread, you could have anywhere, there's a, a, a theologian, Kent Hughes, he says it could have ranged 200,000 to Josephus. If you guys know Josephus, the great historian, he said there could be up to 3 million. So you could have 200,000 up to 3 million people coming into Jerusalem during Passover, the festival of day unleavened bread. And here's the deal, they didn't know how to get rid of Jesus. The police, the scribes, the religious, they didn't know what to do with this guy. With all of these people, they don't want to cause a riot. If you have all these people, let's not stir the pot. So here's what they did. Judas was their plan. Let's get a guy inside. Let's get a guy where he says, okay, if we don't want an uprising. Let's begin to arrange for Jesus to be betrayed truly by, yes, Judas. Now, here's what you have to understand. In order to be ready and willing, Jesus shows us and the disciples how to do this. Number one, you have a handout, if you would. I want you to fill this in the blank. I want you to trust in God's timing. Now, think about this. Jesus was ready, and he was willing, but here's the key. He didn't force it. He didn't force it. So then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now, there's seven festivals. Okay, I feel like I'm going to throw a lot of water on you. Just grasp what you can. Seven festivals, three of the festivals, the men were required. Passover, remember, it commemorated the 10th plague, right, of Egypt, right? When the spirit of death, the angel of death would what? Pass over. So in the context, what they would do is, is that they would celebrate that the, the Israelites were freed. They were passed over from their death. And then they began to celebrate the exodus. So what would happen is this Passover would lead into unleavened bread. Why? Because the night that it happened, the night that Passover happened, this is really key. They didn't put leaven in the bread. They didn't have time for it to rise. So they had to quickly get their sandals ready, get everything ready. Let's eat the bread as fast as we can. And then what? We're out. And so what Jesus is coming into, all of these Jews are coming into, they're coming into celebrating that they saved, they were saved, and they're out and they got freed. It, it went from seven to eight days. What you have to understand is that when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, it was God's timing. You have to be ready and willing, but you cannot force God's hand in order that you're going to walk this thing out. Is that with, you with me on that? Yeah. It's really, really important. Jesus walked into because it was Passover. I think this is really, really, really interesting. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8, it says, Clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new batch. You are indeed unleavened, for Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast, not with old yeast, or with the yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Here's what I hear in this. Jesus was all about God's timing. You can be ready and willing and force it in your flesh. You got to trust in God's timing. 
In Proverbs 3, you guys know this text well. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not what? Rely on your own understanding. In order to be ready and willing, or I'll just say it this way. In order to walk in the spirit, trust that God knows what he's doing. You have to have that as your framework in order to walk everything else out. I was on an airplane a couple months ago and my wife was next to me. There was a, a Hispanic lady next to me on my left and I was in the middle and I opened up my Bible. <laughs> and as I opened up my Bible, I'm like, Lord, I'm ready to talk to her. Not my wife, but this lady. My wife is saved. And as I'm ready to talk to this lady, she starts speaking in Spanish. I was like, ah. I took three years of Spanish at Northridge High School and two years at Taylor and none of it has helped me. And so what the reality is, I know, see, si, pero entonces pues, you know, hola, I don't know much. And so I just like, God, clearly this is out. She sees my Bible and she starts talking to me in English. She's like, hey, is that a Bible? I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> I got so excited. You have no idea. And the next thing you know, we went through, I feel like all 66 books. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm going to Mexico. I struggle with depression. I'm checking myself in for three months. And I asked, is there really a God? So I began to walk her through the process on the plane. Who knows, 10,000, 15,000, 30,000. She says yes to Jesus. But here's the crazy thing is, in my conversation, the Lord said, you're going to baptize her. And I go, where? He goes, in the airport. <laughs> no. So trust, trust in God's timing. And so I said, Laura, you're going to baptize her. And we get off the plane and Laura ends up praying this prayer of freedom to release her from this depression because that's what Jesus does. That's what we sung about. He sets every one of us free from these things that we're carrying that's not meant to be carried. And in the process, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to walk you through how I get to this point. The Holy Spirit led me to go into a, a travel store. I talked to this lady from Africa. I said, hey, I'm going to baptize a lady. I go, she goes, where? I go, here. She goes, where? Here. Where? I go, I need some water. So I bought a couple of bottles of water. I know this isn't totally the Baptist style. You got to roll with it, okay? <laughs> I gave over to the Lord. I said, here. <laughs> she looked at me. All right. And Laura first walked into a family restroom where there's nobody there. But I actually believe baptism is an expression of who you are in Christ so other people can see you. So Laura walked into the women's bathroom. And she baptized the lady and just poured water. You see, when you trust God's timing and you don't force it, like I didn't try to force it, I just sat there and they came to me. When you realize God is setting it up, it makes it so fun to walk out the Holy Spirit. But first and foremost, if you want to live a life that's adventurous and real for Jesus, everybody trust in his timing. Jesus could have done it at any time, but he knew he had to come during Passover. Why? Because it was a representation of what was to come. Every Israelite celebrates Passover, and Jesus says, now I am that lamb. Trust me, he says, in this timing. And then in the process, Luke 22, let's go back to the text. Luke 22, verse 8. What you'll begin to see is, is then as you trust him in his timing, he will give you direction. Can I just give you freedom on this? Look, the Holy Spirit is not scary. 
The Holy Spirit, when you trust Christ in the death, burial, and resurrection, you have received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's either just sitting in there or he wants to do something. There's lots of different roles. And I want to show you in this model, he wants to give you direction. And so what I think was happening with Jesus and the disciples is he was teaching them how to listen to his direction. So this instruction says, Jesus sent Peter and John. And it says, they sent them and he says, go and prepare the Passover meal for us so we can eat it. I actually think it's very appropriate that we took communion beforehand. I think it's absolutely incredible. So he says to Peter and John, hey, by the way, guys, I need you to go prepare it. Yeah, well, I'm not really the best cook. I'm not really, uh, I'm not really a guy that knows the city that well. You can come up with all kinds of excuses, correct? But he will give you direction. Now, Peter and John, they became the chief servants. You know this, right? Of the church. Jesus is beginning to teach them how to hear in fact, these two, these plans, they were actually really confidential. In fact, I love what Tom Constable says. He kept it quiet with two so that he would prevent a riot. When God gives you direction, can I just tell you this? You don't have to tell everybody. In humility, receive what he's given you and then see what happens. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just like, I think everyone's like, hey, I heard from the Lord and blah. That was a filth thing right there. It was. I watch you online a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> I just think sometimes when the Lord speaks to you, just, just cherish it. Amen. April 5th, April 6th of 2001, I was at Taylor University, and the Lord gave me direction. Part of that direction was my calling to Jerusalem. For seven days, he said, I don't want you to tell anybody. I don't want you to tell your parents. I don't want you to tell your girlfriend. I don't want you to tell your friends. I want you to sit on it. He'll give us direction. Because here's what Constable says. Jesus comes across now as the one who is in control and quietly directing the events leading to the cross. Jesus is the one navigating this thing. And you have to trust that he's going to give you these directions. Now, many people don't maybe study the Jewish culture very much. But in the TB Pesaham, okay, it, it's a tractate that, I know that sounds all Jewish. It, it, it's language that points to things that they should do as Jews. And do you understand that Passover was required at that time by a group of 10 people to participate with eating the entire lamb? So they're supposed to go find a place for 10 people, which now makes sense, does it not? You got 12 disciples, get a place because this is culture. What I want to tell you is that when God gives you direction, it actually will make sense. It's not going to be, it could be some random thing, like baptize somebody in, a, in an airport, but really, aren't we all called to do that anyway? So what I'm saying is, is that he wants to give us direction in the context of our environment, but you have to be engaged in your environment, first of all. That's another whole sermon. I will tell you this. How does he begin to give us direction? John 10, 27. Please go there. Please write this down. This is probably one of the best verses on learning how to walk out the Holy Spirit. First, you're going to trust in his timing. Then you're going to actually believe that he's going to give you direction. How? In John 10, 27. It's a very clear text. Jesus, it says this. My sheep hear my voice. 
I know them, and what does it say? And they follow me. Why I think we need a move of God in our nation is because I think that the church needs to be awakened to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And I actually believe he is speaking to you. I just want to help you navigate and unplug some things to bring a little bit more clarity. There's something different in this congregation today. It is alive. The spirit is moving. Let's navigate now how the spirit moves in order to see your lives change and culture changed. I saw a t-shirt two days ago at the Dallas Arboretum. My kids, we had off on fall break, and he had a shirt that said, I am revival. Well, naturally, I'm going to go talk to that guy. (laughs) Hey, what's up with the shirt? He threw it back on me. He goes, what's it mean to you? I was like, I asked you. (laughs) I can tell you what it means. It means that you're hearing his voice. I am revival implies you're trusting in God's timing. You know that he's going to guide and direct you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you're hearing from him. Now, we've already talked about this many times, but I want to say this over and over again. There's a guy named Stephen Costello, and I like what he says. I believe, this is going to sound super strange, that you and I hear at least three to four voices every day. I'm not talking about the demonic I believe that when you wake up, I believe that if you're in his word, the spirit of God is speaking to you. That's the Lord's voice. I believe you hear his voice. The second voice that I believe that you hear trying to give you direction is you trying to figure out if that's his voice. So the first voice I believe is the Holy Spirit. He says, my sheep follow me, right? This is not contradictory to scripture. It's simple. The third voice is the enemy saying, you never heard from him. So every day you're playing this game in your mind. Whose voice am I hearing? Now, the one that Stephen Castillo adds, the fourth one that I think is really profound and really deep, is there's others that speak into your life. And those are the fourth voices. I want to say it one more time. In order to walk out the direction that he has for you based on his timing, is listen to his voice first. The second voice is you saying, you know what, is that really God? The third voice is the enemy saying, you've never heard that. You know, yesterday I was at the airport again. Clearly that's where I'm spending my time. (laughs) And I walk in (laughs) and there's a lady behind the counter and the Lord said, yep, that's all I heard, yep. And I just said, hey, I did the small talk like anybody else. Hey, where are you going? All this stuff. And, and then she had this really great accent. And I am known for getting in trouble. When I talk to people with accents, for somehow I just start talking like them. I'm not mocking them. It's just this, to the Jew, I become a Jew, right? And it's really bad. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I began to talk to this lady named Miriam. She's from Egypt. I almost fell down and just wept. Because for the last three days, I've been talking to a believer in Cairo, Egypt. And he's been asking us to come and train the believers in Cairo on how to walk this out. And sometimes God just confirms things in your life that you're hearing correctly. Does that make sense? He's like, yes, keep walking in this. So in his guidance, in his direction, he'll affirm these things as you go. (laughs) But if you're having a hard time, I want you to go to the third point here. And this is very normal. 
I want you to trust that God has a timing. Some of you are waiting for like a job to open up. Some of you are waiting for a relationship to establish. Trust in his timing. And know that he's going to give you the direction. But in Luke 22, verse 9, this is what I think the disciples do. They ask for clarification. And so they said, hey, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. I mean, what did Jesus tell them to do? Go prepare a room. How many of us need clarification in our life? The model is based on the disciples. Ask him. Ask him, don't make this hard. He wants us to have full clarity to walk out as well. Why? So we could advance the kingdom of God. You know, when we started teaching through how to share the gospel, we did these simplistic words, love and listen and discern and respond. I actually believe this model in Luke 22 is a very clear model of how you and I can walk out the Holy Spirit. Trust, trust in his timing. I'm gonna say it over and over. Trust in his timing. Know that he'll give you direction. And then in this, I need you to ask for clarification. Now watch this. If you can go back to this text. What did they say? What? This is really great. Where do you want us to prepare it? Who's the focus on? It's Jesus. So when you ask for clarification, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, how do you want me to walk this out? Not Jesus, how can I make this happen? Not Jesus, hey, what do you want me to do? Everything goes back to Jesus. In Romans 13, 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. The way you combat the you versus I is you put on Christ and the flesh goes away. So if you're asking for clarity, you're asking what does Jesus want, not what you want. That's where we get in trouble in the church. When we're planning these things, how how can I do this? No, no, no. What does Jesus want? You got to keep asking that question. And I love this image. This image is we have to remove ourselves. Romans 8 verse 5, if you would write this text down. For those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, about the things of the spirit. When you're asking for clarity, you have to begin to say, is this of my flesh or is this of the spirit? This is where I think we get in trouble. Praise God, he can redeem anything. But ask him for clarity. Ask him. I guarantee you half the people in this room are asking for clarity right now for something in their lives. Shift it where it says, Jesus What do you want? How do you want me to prepare this? And so here's how I want to have four filters. It comes from Stephen Castillo. How do we filter these things? If it's of the flesh or if it's of the spirit. Okay, does that make sense? How do we filter what we're hearing? Number one, guess what? You have to go to the scriptures. It's actually quite comical now that there are churches that believe not all of this is true. Dear God, help us. I love what Pastor Phil is doing and your leadership is doing. You're not backing down from this. That's not political, it's biblical. And you have to discern, are we hearing from him based on scripture? You know what's weird? 
the more you teach about this, you're like, man, I've never heard that. That's because we're not teaching it. I'm not saying here, I'm just saying in general. So some of your filters are scriptures. You know what another filter is? Is once you've heard from him and you know you've heard from him, surround yourself with a community that will help you. To me, it's really, really scary when people hear from him and they don't have a community around them. That's called dangerous. I need Phil to actually be able to speak into my life. Pastor Gordy from River of Life, whenever I come in Indiana, I need him to speak into my life. We have a board of directors. We have a leadership team. I need people to speak into my life. So part of the discerning, is this of God, is this of my flesh or of the spirit, is you surround yourself with a community. Number three, how do you filter this out? You should see fruit already. Fruit should be evident. Let me give you a couple examples. We did what was called Revive School. Revive School in 2017, we heard from the Lord, our team, sounding this out, Kyle, we want to teach through Genesis to Revelation for two years. Slow down your travel, pour into a bunch of guys in northern Indiana at Sylvan and Connie's Barn on County Road 35. Do you know that doesn't really sound that appealing to study the word for two years and not travel as much? I'm serious. Like, my DNA is what? Go! So sometimes when God gives you direction, it doesn't always look like what you've done in the past. And so how did I look for fruit? Well, here we are. At the end of 2019, we graduated through two years of revived school. We wanted to show you where is the Messiah in every book of the Bible. Well, our first country with everything shut down in COVID, we couldn't go to all these countries. So what we had was is a 29-minute teaching. What we had is my wife wrote a devotional. We had study guide questions and we had lesson plans. We had four things prepared, but God didn't release it yet until all of a sudden he just, it went to Liberia, it went to Ghana, and then it just took off. We had this online school. I don't know how else to describe this, teaching straight through the Bible, and it's gone to 52 nations in less than, a, less than two years. Your church has helped uh, not only were you a part of the Revive School, but you've helped send Revive School boxes. You guys were over 10,000 students. And it started in a barn in Sylvan and Connie Esch's place. But it all started because of 2015 in Revive Indiana. Trust in God's timing and you can't force it. Now people say, you shouldn't have done Revive School. Why would you do that? Or they'll question certain things in your life. When there's fruit, you can't do anything else except it's fruit. Just yesterday, nine different countries contacted me in one day saying, can we, can we start this in our country? We're in over 38 countries in Africa. When we started Revive School in this community, I had no plans, no plans of going to other countries. And so when you ask for clarity, get ready. Because what he's going to start doing is this. Go to the next text, if you would. I want you to go uh, to number uh, four, Luke 22, 10 through 12. He's going to give you specifics. When you ask for clarity, listen for specifics. Does that, I hope this makes sense to you. And here's what this text does. Jesus says, hey, go prepare the room. Hey, I need to know what this looks like. He says, great, I'll tell you. Do you think Jesus wants to keep us in the dark? No, we got to act like we have a relationship with Yeshua. And in Luke 22, he says, listen. And by the way, if you ask for specifics, don't tell him what they are. 
Here's what they are. No, 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 that's not what I asked. Scripture says this, listen, he said, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. Well, I don't really need that much specifics. <laughs> Have you ever asked something and then he just begins to like, wait, 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 that's not what I thought. You want me to go find a guy carrying a water jug? First of all, very unusual for men in that context to carry a water jug. It was usually the women who carried the water jugs. The men would have carried the water in leather skins. And so when Jesus begins to direct your paths, he'll make it obvious for you. When you ask for specifics, listen to what they are, write them down, and then see what he does. And I think this is kind of a, a ridiculous statement. A commentator, Marshall, says this, and I actually think he's right. It appears that this whole water jug scenario was a prearranged signal. That was part of Jesus' plan to avoid premature arrest. Many of you probably maybe never heard that before. Now think about this. Does Jesus speak to other disciples? Hello? Does he speak to other people other than you? Amen. Yes. What if he spoke to that disciple and said, I need you to carry a water jug and get ready. Two guys are going to look confused. <laughs> hey, I'm the water guy. Like, we don't know what he said, but what if that's how the body of Christ actually works? Hey, I'm going to move through Phil so that I can move through Derek, and then I'm going to move through Mark, and I'm going to move through James, and then move through Brent, and then that's how the body of Christ gets ready for his return. When we actually function as a bride, walking in the Spirit, getting ready in our own different ways. So what if they're walking like, hey, we're looking for the water jug guy, and the guy's like, hey, psh, I'm over here, let's go. You see, if we're in tune with the Spirit, Scripture says in Ephesians, we are of one spirit and so we should actually it doesn't matter I've always said this and I'll just say it again I think we should remove all denominational labels and I think we should just say church in Dallas every donut shop just says donuts and you know what you're gonna get wouldn't that be awesome if you came to this church because you knew the spirit is alive and you could trust God moving because you're basing it on the word. So I actually think God, through Christ, gave Jesus, right? He gave him very specifics. And Peter and John, they're like walking, looking for a Jerusalem Airbnb. No, that's not big enough. We need something else. <laughs> Don't change the specifics, by the way. If you trust in his timing and you believe he's going to give you direction, and you're asking for clarity, and then he does, believe it. Believe what you hear. Do you realize, Romans 8, 14, please write this down. And my challenge, my goal, my encouragement is that you begin to believe this is actually true. Romans 8, 14, it says this, all those led by God's spirit are what? God's sons. So if the spirit's in you, what is he doing? He's leading us to people with water jugs. I don't know what the water drug person looks like in your life, but I believe he has a plan for every single one of you. And can I just tell you, we actually started saying this in Indiana. There's no junior Holy Spirit. Now, let me flip it. There's no retired Holy Spirit either. That's a new one. It's just the Holy Spirit. 
And so for me, it really is an adventure every day. Every day you get a chance to represent Jesus because you're led by the Spirit. (laughs) You realize that when these guys went to this room, it became what we call the upper room. Probably stood on a flat roof of just a normal house. Now remember how many people were coming into the city. Maybe 200,000 up to 3 million. What were they expecting? People to come. What were the Jewish people planning on? Opening up their homes for people. This is not abnormal. God was just lining it up. That's what I want to say, you guys. The Spirit of God's going to allow you to walk into an environment that's real and prepared, and he's already gone ahead. What if you believe that the body of Christ actually works together? (laughs) Then you would be ready and willing. This upper room, (laughs) you guys realize that, uh, you know, it was used for the Passover and unleavened bread. It was probably on Mount Zion to the north and to the east of the Hinnom Valley. They put couches in the form of a V. And it was based on this Hellenistic custom. And what I love is, is that this room was probably had outside stairs, so you never bothered the people inside. And so you have Peter and John quietly hanging out with the water guy. They're saying, hey, the teacher says there's a place for us. And he says, yeah, great, I've been expecting you. What if you walked with such radical faith that when you walked up to a person because the Spirit of God asked you to go to this person, what if you walked with such confidence they were just ready? I want you to get to that point in your walk with Jesus. It's not radical. It just means you're following him. So what are the fears and what are the barriers? Well, let me just tell you this. Uh, Stephen Castillo, there's six of them. I want you to write these down if you would. I think these are really important. What gets in the way of us hearing the specifics? One, flat out fear. Dear God, I am not going to talk to that person. Fear, everybody just say it. It's not from the Lord. Your heart ever done the... (laughs) No, I'm not talking to that guy. Uh, Number two, a barrier from walking this thing out, busyness. We don't hear specifics because we're just too busy. Number three, you live in a place, we live in a place of false identity. And I love what two weeks ago you guys addressed this new identity that you can have. This new identity that you can have in the Lord. Number four, some of us don't walk this out listening to specifics because we've had bad past experiences. I've been in weird places. I have been in weird environments where somebody has prayed over me for certain gifts and they've tried to hit them out of me. That's just called weird. And so I'm not open to that sometimes. You cannot base your view on God and scripture based on what man has done. Number five, another barrier. Honestly, it's theology. Some of us have never been exposed to what it means to walk in the Spirit. So because we've never heard this before, because our theology has never taught this, we've never been exposed to this, we don't walk it out. And then finally, number six, this is a big one. You know, I love to run up to people. I've run up to people sharing the gospel with them before. The only way I can do that is because I'm free. I have no conscience in the sense of, like, I have a conscience. (laughs) But I don't have anything that's weighing me down. Number six is I have, there's no unforgiveness. 
If you have a root of bitterness or unforgiveness, you're not free to walk with the Spirit of God. You are weighed down. And so for me, I wanna just recap real quickly, okay? And I think this is so important to recap is that first of all, go back to your points, if you would. Just go back to your very simple points, okay? Number one, it just says trust in God's timing. Trust that God's gonna set up the festival for you. Can I just say it like that? He's gonna set up a divine appointment for you. And then in that, he's going to give you direction, but you gotta believe that he wants to. As he's giving you direction, you gotta ask for clarification. God, I know you told me to do this. And then he says, listen to what I'm gonna tell you in the specifics. Don't make this harder, please, than what it is. It is such a joy to sit down on your bed, put your feet on the floor, and say, God, I'm ready. And I'm willing. (laughs) Because when you get to that point, you will walk out what Luke 22 and the rest of the context says. The last point, and it's a very simple point. Luke 22, it just says this. It says, so they went. And they found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So the last point is, is once you've asked for specifics, obey in faith. Obey in faith. Jesus' remarks are very correct. And it shows that he is sovereign. Amen? I want to just show you something here. Can you go back to that text just one more time, if you don't mind, please? You know when it says they prepared the Passover? You, you know that's not just like they got a room, they paid a guy, and then they left. I want to show you how hard it is to obey in faith. Warren Wearsby says, Peter and John, they would have now purchased an approved lamb and take it to the temple to be slain. Then they would take the lamb and the other elements of the supper to the house where they planned to meet, and there the lamb would be roasted. The table then would be furnished with wine, unleavened bread, and paste of bitter herbs, reminded the Jews of their long bitter and bondage in Egypt. So they had to do a lot of work once they heard from him. This is not an easy task when you are obeying in faith. So don't set yourself up like it's just one and done. It could be a lifetime. In April 5th of 2001, I clearly had a call to Jerusalem. And since that time, Time Revive's tagline is to equip the saints for the return of Christ. And over the course of time, what I did not anticipate is us getting into 52 nations. And because of that, I have a good friend named Stephen Corey. His father started the First Baptist Church in Bethlehem. And Stephen heard about who we are, and we've been developing a relationship for the last seven years. And Stephen was totally intrigued by how the last two years we've been into countries where we should not be getting into. Do you realize we now have an Arabic-speaking team in Morocco? They're hidden underground. And they're going to start translating all of Revive School for, yes, the 1040 window. We have a Spanish-speaking team that's now translating all of Revive School. We're working on a French-speaking team. And what is starting to happen is that God is doing more than I even planned. When you obey in faith, and it's hard work. That's why you're called laborers. It's not comforters. It's not easy pew-sitters. New term. It's hard. But when God shows up, I have a pastor in Addis Ababa, Pastor Avara. (laughs) I have never even been to Ethiopia. And yet what God is doing is is he hooked me up with more nine countries. And then he said in this, this is so mind-blowing. 
He said, hey, by the way, I have a Jewish Ethiopian believer in Tel Aviv that wants to start Revive School. My heart is for Israel. And when you obey in faith, not knowing the game plan, God will breathe on that. And so what do you know? God is setting the table in Jerusalem for us to begin pursuing a training center. And by the way, the land that we have talked about, Pastor Phil has talked about this land. Do you guys know when there was this 11-day war, this 12-day war? Do you guys remember this? Do you realize that they were fighting over the land where our land that we're praying for is? It started all right outside of Old City. It's real because I believe part of my calling, and guess what? I believe because we are connected to First Baptist, I believe your calling is to help get people ready for his return. And to me, I can't get more fired up. Well, we started raising funds for this land. And instantly, we had a certain deadline. But praise God, I never thought I'd say this. COVID shut things down, and it stopped the negotiations. And because of that, the Muslims that wanted to buy the land, they haven't bought the land. And so God has given us more time to purchase this land so that we could start bringing the nations, because Scripture says the nations are going to come to Jerusalem. Why? To get ready for his return. You can say, what? <laughs> yes. When you ask for specifics, don't try to figure it out. Just obey in faith. I have a video for you. I prayed about it. Do we have this video? Are, were you guys able to get it? Okay. I, I've never showed this publicly, uh, which is fine that it's online. Uh, but there's three individuals, Pastor Stephen Corey, uh, and then a friend, Michael Miller, who's part of a church called The Upper Room in Dallas. And the upper room has been praying about having a house of prayer, house of worship in Jerusalem. Stephen's asking for the nations to come, and that's my calling. It's the three of us talking about this land and how we are obeying in faith uh, and to see what the Lord does. So if we can, let's go cue this video. It's about four minutes, so if you'd be patient with us and watch that. Let's worship in Jerusalem, amen? Let's lift the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. Being a part of changing the world comes at a price. You have to be willing to be that person, to pay that price. Everything has been based on relationships. You know, Stephen and I and Michael, as we're growing in this, this journey of pursuing land and a building in Jerusalem, it, it really is based on two things, relationships and our calling. Regardless of where you stand today, it's simple to understand. When Jerusalem and Israel is in the news, it's tied to end times. I wrote in my journal, I felt the Holy Spirit say, there's room for you here. And, uh, and I had been on a, it was a life-changing trip up to that point, just what the Lord was doing in my heart, my wife's heart, just marking us with his heart for the land, for the people. We had these friendships, Stephen, Michael, and I, that God began to just kind of put together. And it began to form this really unique team that I would never have been like, oh yeah, that's the team, right? And it's kind of been fun to watch because he's taking the Time Revive team and how we're wired to share the gospel, make disciples, and even logistical stuff, and, and putting it with a local, Stephen, and his team in Holy Land Missions, and, and how they, they, they know the lay of the land. They know the locals. We don't, we don't know any of that stuff, but when you put us together, and then you incorporate Michael in the upper room and their team, and their heart for prayer and their heart for worship, it's kind of like, look, God's actually taking the body of Christ and getting ready for his return. Which I know we've talked a lot about bringing the nations there so that they can taste his heart or, or uh, receive his burden uh, for that land, for his people, for his return. It just does something to 
uh, I think leaders, pastors, believers to see the end from today. And you live differently in spite of that. Today, to set the tone, it's important for our team to understand their perspective of how they've been called to this. Because I have been called to this as well, which means TTR in those that are in line have been called to this as well. And so I think that's the beauty of this. Very rarely do you hear people saying, hey, I'm supposed to help get people ready for his return. But not just his return like in general, but in Jerusalem. It's another layer to that. You also ask people to help Kyle up a time to revive, help up a room with the supplies needed, AKA in this case, it's purchasing land, putting up a multi-purpose worship leadership training center, the heart of Jerusalem, training the locals, making worship local worshipers, bringing leaders from other other countries around the world who want to connect with the Bible values, yeah. connect with Jerusalem, connect with the heart of God in the temple where God wrote his name on it. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it's I, I'm, I'm grateful and I call them the Nehemiahs of the 21st century, literally, and not just figuratively, they're literally helping us build God's temple in Jerusalem. Come on, it's so exciting. There's no agendas, there's no motives. It really is genuinely getting ready to experience his presence. And then in that, we get to help equip people to get ready. I'm excited to see what the presence of Jesus, the kind of culture that there will be birthed through worship and prayer. Um, evangelism that will take place, teachings that will take place in an environment like that. Um, I think that's one of the things we carry and I think it's what David longed for when when he said, we're bringing the ark back to the center of Jerusalem. I, I, I love the thought of us doing that uh, with the Holy Spirit, creating an, a resting place for the ark of God um, in Jerusalem. Man, I got goosebumps thinking about it. It's good. It. It's, uh, we're envisioning the remnants uh, for the future ministries in Jerusalem and around the world. And everybody's different. But we're all built on the same foundation and on the land in Israel. And uh, focusing on the kingdom in Jerusalem. To bring the people from all over the nations to get ready for his return. And everybody's coming with their gifts. I want to tell you to look up. Hashem, God, is here. He knows your heart and he knows your cry. He knows your desire. Make the now about him. Make tonight about him. Make tomorrow about him. Choose a side, I beg you. All of us have been asked to prepare an upper room for some place. Mine specifically happens to actually be in Jerusalem. And I wanted to say thank you to, your, to you guys for getting behind this. I don't know God's timing. He's given us more time. And uh, please hear me say this. This is an appeal for money. I'm just telling you, God does things in his different timing. We're still praying for the 1.1 million. I believe God has it. I believe he's setting the stage. And he's picking a Michael and a Stephen and I. And he's picking each one of you to play your own role in trusting him. He's going to give you direction. He's going to give you clarity. He's going to give you specifics. And then it's our role to obey in faith. And so what I'd like to do is just simply, I'd like to pray over each one of you. If you guys would, would you just bow your heads and then I'll turn it over to Phil if I can. Just wanna walk you through a safe place. Just keep your eyes closed if you would. So Lord, I just, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that everybody in this room would first and foremost just trust you. 
that they would trust that you are in charge, that Jesus, because of your death, burial, and resurrection, you're in control. And because of that radical trust, I'm gonna ask that then we would begin to entrust every step of the way over to you. God, there are things in our lives that need to be removed in order for us to get clarity, in order for us to get specifics, in order for us to obey in faith. And so God, would you begin to clean those things out so that we can run and run free? May this be a church that when they see First Baptist, that they see the bride is ready. Oh God, I thank you for what you're doing here. And I ask very simply that we would respond in faith to this text. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Kyle. Let's all stand together and... Um... I'm not sure how to end this uh, today, so I will just say this. One of the things that he said today was his desire as a preacher of the word would be that every one of you understand that following the Lord is not radical and that every one of us, you heard um, the pastor from Israel say, realize and give yourself to the Lord in the now and tonight, he said, and in tomorrow and into the future, it's just every single one of us has a role that we're supposed to play in this. So I guess we can end like this. If you need clarity on your role, if you really don't know, you just know the Lord has something and he's speaking to you and you're not sure how to interpret it and you need some help with that, we'll help you. We'll walk alongside of you in some way. We'll figure it out with you. Um, so if you want some help with that, if, you, if you're online with us and you want some help with that, go ahead and just text in to our prayer team. We'll have a prayer team up here. You can call us this week. We want you to understand the role that you're called to play in this great story that the Lord is, is writing on humanity today. But I would be really um, uh, missing it if we didn't give you an opportunity for those of you who are hearing his voice for the very first time today you're hearing from the Holy Spirit for the very first time today and he's calling you into a new relationship with himself and with Jesus Christ and you need salvation and you know it would you please not leave the building without talking to me or talking to one of our prayer team members up here or grab Kyle and say I need to be saved I know that I heard the voice of the Lord and if you're being convicted of your sin and because uh, you know that you don't have a relationship, we want to walk alongside of you in that and help you with that. Those of you who are online, if you feel like you need to be saved, you can reach out to us right now and we will help you with that. That's what we're all about. That's what the body of Christ is all about. So just respond and let's respond to the Holy Spirit and let's listen to his voice and let's be obedient to all that he asks of us, which is going to be a lot in the coming days and months and years. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your ministry to us today. Um, God bless you, my friends, as you go. We're here for you. Um, we'll hang out with you as long as you want until we get to the second service. Love you as you go. Uh, share Christ with everybody. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. 
Our prayer is that the worship and teaching will inspire you to love God, love others, and influence the world for Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, we'd love to know about it. You can click on the link for our online connection card. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app and you can see more opportunities and messages and even share this message with a friend. And go to our website, fbclcart.org, for even more opportunities. We hope to see you back here next Sunday morning at FBC Elkhart.